Are you looking for a new podcast? Make sure to check out our offerings from WBGO Studios, Jazz United, The Checkout, Sports Jam, and The Great Wealth Divide. More information at wbgo.org slash studios and subscribe to these shows wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Greg Bryant, host of Jazz After Hours on member-supported WBGO. Thank you for tuning in to our inaugural podcast edition of Let Me Tell You About It. Chances are, if you've been on WBGO.org any time over the last year or so, you've seen our interview column where uh, I've been very privileged and grateful to speak with many of our rising stars and established legends of the music about their processes, their touring, their working, what they've been up to in the pandemic, and new recordings, new efforts that they've got going. We've decided to turn our blog, our column, into a podcast. Let me tell you about it. And this is the inaugural edition. We thank you for being here. What we've decided to do with this show is center each episode around a theme central to the human experience. We'll use that as a launching point for further discussion about a musician's process, what makes them tick, get inside their head, get their uh, feedback and their ideas about Not just the subject of the day, but where they're going. What's up with them? So today's episode is about fearlessness. When we think about fearlessness, or when I think about it, I go back to a Nelson Mandela quote that I'd like to share with you. Nelson Mandela said once, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear, end quote. Our guest today is the epitome of fearlessness. He has pushed past his own doubt, his own consternation to produce uh, music of beauty, of artistic excellence in the person of Lionel Lueke. Uh, born in Benin, uh, he studied in Paris, and he came to the United States in the early 2000s where, in his audition for the Thelonious Monk Institute, he played music before Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, and Terrence Blanchard. Wow. <laughs> the cool thing is, he's been employed by all three of those greats, and he's a leader in his own right, as you very well know. His latest effort, Close Your Eyes, is a return to standards with an esteemed rhythm section in bassist Ruben Rogers and drummer Eric Harlan. Another recent recording, a solo effort, HH, finds Lionel reimagining the Herbie Hancock songbook. I had a chance to catch up with Lionel. We had a great chat. Check it out. What fear for me to start with is a very inspirational thing like fear should actually you um, you have to dominate the fear your fear and for me um, somehow I have less fear when it comes to the instrument because I live in that zone of just pushing myself to the limit to the edge uh, um, and that it takes courage in a way that you know I mean we all study music we learn to play our instrument and uh, it's almost like uh, get yourself to the zone where you are 
almost like it's, this is the first time you're playing the instrument. You have that fear, you know, you have that kind of, uh, it's very fragile. Being a, and you want to deliver in the most innocent way after learning so much about about music. And that's hard. Mm. It's like a, you learn how to speak and then you start speaking like a baby, like a child. And there's something natural about that we all know about when it comes to to, to kids, you know, they learn, they, they don't like you, they let you know right away, you know, they're natural. And and that's the that natural aspect I always look for, you know, the first thing that comes in my mind is, um, is the truth, is the natural way. If I start thinking too much, then I start getting far farther from my original thinking. So mm-hmm. it comes to when I go in the studio, my first most of the first takes I know that are the best for me because I'm not thinking too much. Okay. And then when the second one I'm like, okay, let me do it better and then I start thinking and usually it doesn't go in the right direction because I'm thinking too much. And that's the uh, for me the secret is let's let the inspiration go. Don't judge. That's the other thing. I don't judge. Um on a bandstand, I don't judge myself. I don't judge anybody. Mm-hmm. I just, I just want to serve the music at the best. I don't care who's wrong. I assume I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if there's a problem, I want to fix it. Uh, the, I guess for me, I always give better, the best credit to the person who fixed the problem the fastest instead of because once you start questioning, oh, I'm sure that in a form I'm right. Maybe you are right, but the time that you keep thinking, the music is going, <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the mistake is just keep growing. Yes. So um, that's something I learned from Wayne Herbie, mm-hmm. especially Herbie, because this person I pass more time playing with. If there is any mistake, he's not even raising his head. He's just like fix the problem right away. If he hears, it. he's not questioning if he's right or he's wrong. It doesn't matter, and that's the thing. Um, that's the attitude um, I try to. To, to keep with me when I'm playing. And then when I put down the instrument, I can have any critical uh, words toward myself. I can be very, very hard on myself, and that's fine. I'm not playing anymore. But while I'm playing, I, in other words, I try to smile to my mistakes. So if I make a mistake, well, I smile it. I smile to it. It's natural. Nobody's perfect, so I, I kind of brace that energy, um, uh, keep that energy on whatever I'm doing. And then when I finish, then I, I can say whatever hard I want to myself. That I take it. <laughs> a question about uh, you in, in relation to uh, Mr. Hancock. Um, also, when I was a very young child, I fell in love with, well, all of his albums, but but there are a couple of key ones for me, one of them being Sextant, the last uh, M. Wandishi album. And there's a tune on there. I think it's in 19. It's called Hidden Shadows. And the bass line 
makes it still groovable. You're not thinking that it's an odd time, that it's, you know, not 4-4 or clap your hands, but you can still follow it because of the bass. And I feel like of anybody in this generation, you are the master of making odd times uh, feelable, uh, you know, danceable even. Um, How do you conceive making something so hard or technical easy? Or free-flowing? Do you have any tips or any conception about that that you could share? Well, another great question. I mean, for me, it's, a, it's really, it's capital. Whatever you know, I'm playing or writing or, you know, if it's, there's a tempo, there's a time, there's a groove, I mm-hmm. want it to be natural as possible. Um, one, one of the things, uh, one tip I can give is uh, the way I compose. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't compose. Uh, I don't sit down and say, "Well, let me write this tune in 19 or 17 or 15." No. Usually, I just open up the computer, take my instrument, start recording, just play, mm-hmm. and uh, and then count later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, meaning when I'm when I'm playing, I'm not thinking about the the meter. I'm not thinking. And then I know it's, I'm in a cycle. I just stay in a cycle. And then I listen back and say, oh, this is 13. Well, that's 13 is going to be. That's mm-hmm. it. I'm not going to try to fix the 13 to 12 or to, to 14. No, that's what it's going to be. If it's a half beat, that's what it's going to be because that's how it comes natural out, you know, how it comes out natural, mm-hmm. naturally. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, uh, um, I guess, because I'm from Africa, everything is about uh, rhythm and dance and dancing. So um, um, I, I, I like if I can dance into it. Uh, I assume that you know the listener can feel, even if the time is on, mm-hmm. and uh, and how you bring. Um, it might be the time might be odd. Maybe it's the bass line. Maybe it's the melody. Whatever. But I will find a way to to whatever whatever is completing the the, the hard parts in the music. If it's the bass line, it's the melody. It's the it's the, the accompaniment. Whatever it is, I will find something against that groove to kind of support that groove in the best way. So it's you know uh, it's odd, but in a way, if you're not a musician, <laughs> you, you won't. It wouldn't matter, and that's the for me. That's the way it should be. It's not about. It's not math. It's not. Uh, it's music. So if it, that, it has that element, I take it, even if it's uh, seventeen and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so I really focus on on um, the musical, uh, how I can keep this uh, groove alive, even if it's not. Uh, completely uh, easy to follow. Right? Yeah, I like that. I like that, my friend. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks. There's a friend of mine. I haven't seen him for for several years now, but he played with you some. Uh, Alan Hampton, uh, the bass Ooh, player. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I I caught some you know individual things of you guys together, and and always love to hear hear your sound and i remember him telling me yeah man i just got back from uh playing with 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 leonel and we played some of his originals 
but we also played some standards too. And like, it was killing like all the way around. And I do want to ask you about standards because you're reinvestigating them now. Um, What is it about the familiar frameworks of those tunes that allow you to bring out uh, your individuality? And how do you go about um, arranging those things, man? Because that HH album is 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 amazing is amazing man thank you wow wow i want to ask you about your process and bringing in tunes yeah so I mean, the, those standards are uh, well i mean it's a big part of our language right as a jazz musician that's how we learn this music and uh, when we get together with musicians um, we don't know or even when we know and we haven't rehearsed anything any original material we call standards. You know? mm-hmm. So standards has always been um, around uh, what I do, even if I, I haven't, I mean, I didn't play that many on my records, but I love, I love standards. the same thing I mean like HH Herbie's tunes um, I mean <laughs> they're standards but and I've been playing with with him for what 15 16 years right so how I mean the challenge for me was uh, how do I revisit those tunes I'm still playing with him I know how he approached them different every night <laughs> it's like the songs new every time we play Mm-hmm. And that was the first thing I want to, you know, the first direction I, I want to go. I want to find a way to take them, make them uh, like like I wrote them in a way, you know, find a way to play them like I wrote them. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so I have to arrange them in that direction, you know, which again comes to odd, the odd rhythm or stuff. And again, all the the odd meters I play on Herbie's tunes, always all them come out, like I was saying, by jamming, you know. And the challenge was also to make the repertoire because it's a solo project, you know. There's no other person playing with me, so I have to uh, find out, uh, figure out what kind of tune. Some of the tunes I love, but I didn't record them because I wasn't best inspired to bring something fresh on the table and if i if i'm i'm just gonna play it like the original i'm not gonna do it <laughs> that's not the purpose the purpose was to bring something different on the table not better not definitely not better but just something different you know um and that's what i tried yeah absolutely um and your new record uh close your eyes uh, definitely mm-hmm. has some amazing interplay and uh, reimagining um, of these tunes. Uh, I think about, you know, Gifema, that, that yeah. band, you know, just, just the, the juggernaut that it is. And now this trio with Ruben Rogers and, and Eric Harland, um, both of them are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But can you, can you speak towards, you know, both the strength of, of both of these trios, because, you know, in their differences, Mm-hmm. They are strong, 
You know, they're, they're, okay. the level is consistent. It's just like, which flavor do you want, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, they they they, they both good trio. Um, I guess the big difference is one is, uh, you know, born in America with the tradition of the, uh, you know, the, grew up with the jazz tradition, you know, the standard. And the other one uh, born in different places in the world. One in Hungary, the other in uh, Italy, half Italian, half Swedish, you know. So the flavors are different. Even if we speak the same language, we have different accents, just like I'm speaking with, with my accent. So um, there's beauty of, about it, about that with, uh, with Gil Ferma. Um, with uh, um, Eric and Ruben, you know, it's, it's American jazz tradition. It's time to swing. There's something about it. Not that Gifama cannot swing, but it's a different type of swing, you know. And that's what I, I wanted to to bring on the table with uh, uh, Close Your Eyes, uh, you know, because then I'm uh, the only one element that's come from somewhere else. But with those, these two guys, we speak the same language. So, mm -hmm. you know, they will bring, I knew they would bring something on the table that's... Um, I, I wouldn't be thinking naturally and, and uh, that would take the music to another direction. Just a couple of more questions for you. Um, I want to ask you about uh, your relationship to the bass. I, I think okay. in addition to everything else, man, uh, you're a brilliant bass player too, man. Just the lines Thank that you, you. with, you know. Um, what is it about the bass? What is it about the root that inspires or, or drives you um, to, to create on, on top of it? Some people say, oh, it's just there, you know, but you seem to have a bit more of a love affair with, with the bottom. Bro, you have some amazing questions, man. And those are details that most of people don't see, don't Maybe they hear it or maybe they don't. But um, I was a bass player before even uh, becoming guitar player. And uh, the reason I stopped playing bass was uh, <laughs> back in Africa, in Benin, um, I was changing the bass line so often that they had to fire me from <laughs> that that spot. It's like, man, we just want you to keep, you know, that line because people are dancing. You can't, you know, so I had this kind of... Uh, um, improvisation mindset already back then, you know, so they moved me to, to guitar and then they moved me from lead guitar to accompaniment so I cannot do too much. So bass always, um, I mean, now I play seven strings with low B, another mm -hmm. reason to explain that um, bass always been a big part of what I do and, and, and of my compositions. I mean, I always said 60, 70% of my composition are based on bass lines, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, I can say, well, maybe I'm a little frustrated bass player, drummer who end up on guitar, you know. So I'm kind of combining those two words <laughs> in, uh, in what I do because my playing is very percussive, very mm -hmm. bass-oriented. And uh, so I love bass. I really, I really love bass because I think... Uh, Bass and drums are the foundation of anything else. And you can, if you have those two elements very strong, then you can build anything on top of it. Yeah. My brother, 
I love that. I love that. Um, I know I've learned some lessons um, in this quarantine uh, and I've observed a lot of my friends and their habits, you know, many of them musicians, uh, some of them didn't feel like really, you know, creating. Um, some of them created every day, you know, writing new music or recording new music, you know, sending projects through email uh, to yeah. each other. Um, we saw, you know, again, following your Instagram, how you spent some of the quarantine. But <laughs> are, are there any thoughts that you've had? And in going forward, as we, you know, gradually come back to the new normal, I know you've been on the road with Mr. Hancock and, you know, you've got, you know, the new project of your own that's out now. What are you thinking or what lessons have you learned? How are you going forward into 2022 uh, differently? Any lessons learned during quarantine or anything that you could share with us? Yeah, I learned a lot. First, it was sleeping in my own bed. Yeah. <laughs> For a year and a half, you know, it sounds like uh, something that, you know, normal uh, people wouldn't say because you know you go to work you come back and sleep in your bed but uh, for us you know you change hotels so many times that you you know um i mean just i, I mean by that just being home with, with my family mm -hmm. um, it's been one of the greatest thing in my life you know and uh, um I like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist, you know, I practice Buddhism and I like to see positive through any situation. And uh, I learned a lot by, you know, practicing. Um, I didn't write that much music, but I did practice a lot because I always wanted to find a time to practice and I couldn't do it um, because I was touring so much. And uh, I, I found this situation being, well, this is the time, you have no choice. It's perfect, it works for me. So. Um, I, I did practice, and now I'm back. It suddenly, it just went crazy. I mean, it mm -hmm. went to the point where right now I can't accept any gig this year. That's it. It's over. It's, I don't have room for it. Wow. And that that's something pretty much I was doing before. And uh, I, after the, I mean, we're seeing the pandemic, but now it's, it's slightly better. I didn't want. I don't want to go back to what I was doing before, which is pretty much what I'm doing now. So my goal for next year is to make room for, you know, for myself, for inspiration, for, because I learned so much uh, being at home. I feel like, um, yeah, this is, music is what I do. And um, I love who I am too. And I, I think to be, to be able to do better what I, what I do, I need some room. I need a balance. And I had that balance maybe a little too much during the pandemic, but I don't want to go back and, and be busy like uh, I used to because I, um, I learned, I see something else that I haven't seen until now. And I just need to find a better balance between touring and uh, and being at home, find time to to work on my craft, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, Lionel Luigi, thank you, my brother. Thank you for taking thank you. time. Today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the beautiful, amazing questions. You know, we we always wish we had those type of question every time. It would be more fun. <laughs> <laughs>
the fearless Lionel Lueke on Let Me Tell You About It from WBGO Studios with yours truly, Greg Bryant. Hey, one more thing we're going to do here is uh, talk about some vintage vinyl or maybe even new vinyl. But uh, we mentioned in that conversation a record that certainly is fearless from Herbie Hancock's Mwandishi Band from 1973, the Sextant album. Drop a needle on the record, please. Welcome to The Vinyl Word, where we're building record collections one LP at a time. Herbie Hancock's 1973 album, Sexton, represents an early memory for me. I learned to read and write on the back of this album jacket. (laughs) Yeah, the original pressing that my dad had sports all kinds of crayon markups and the like. But the sonic journey in these grooves tells a universal story for all who listen. Sexton is the final album for what is known as the Herbie Hancock Septet or the Mwandishi Band. All of the players on here are now legends. Dr. Patrick Gleason on synthesizers, NEA jazz master Billy Hart on the drums, Buster Williams on bass, the horn section of Dr. Eddie Henderson on trumpet, saxophonist and readist, flautist Benny Maupin and Julian Priester on trombone, Herbie Hancock, of course, on piano and synthesizers. This is an incredible band, and there are three extended tunes on here that all sound as futuristic today as they did then. It's certainly not for those with faint hearts or short attention spans, but somehow this group occupies earth and space at the same time. I've never heard anything like this music before or since. DJs and fans of electronica might recognize bits and pieces of this work as samples have appeared in other places, but uh, this is an album that should be appreciated on its own merit for the masterpiece that it is. Again, this is Herbie Hancock's album Sextant from 1973, today on The Vinyl Word. And just like that, our inaugural episode is in the can. Thank you for checking us out and subscribing We want to remind you about our other podcasts from WBGO Studios, The Checkout, as well as Sports Jam and Jazz United. Subscribe to those as well. If you want to reach out, you can do that via Twitter. I'm at GB underscore Watchman, also on Instagram. Same handle, GB underscore Watchman. We want to shout out our friend, producer, composer, No Stress. He composed our theme music as well as our bumper sounds. You can find out more and connect with him at no-stress.me. Our show is produced by yours truly and Billy Robinson. Let me tell you about it is a product of WBGO Studios. Remember, remember, we are a member-supported station and a member-supported effort. You can give your tax-deductible contribution to ensure that we remain doing exactly what we do for you at wbgo.org slash support. Give securely online right there. Tell them Greg Bryant sent you. We'll see you again really soon next time. Take care. This has been a WBGO Studios production. To learn more about WBGO Studios' award-winning podcasts, special concerts, live streams, and more, visit wbgo.org studios.